0: Welcome to Growing in the Gospel with Father Zach Weber. It is the sixth Sunday in Ordinary Time. Well, welcome to Growing in the Gospel. Father Zach here. And excited this week because I'm going to introduce to you a new musician at the end of the podcast. So pay attention for that. Um, But as always, you know, this podcast is to help people come to mass prepared to start meditating and chewing upon the readings to come prepared ready to receive the word and let the word transform you so our gospel this sunday comes the gospel of matthew chapter 5 verses 17 through 37 So I encourage you to know you know last week we had the readings about the salt being salt of the earth and the light of the world and then before that which we had the presentation but before that in the section of Matthew five was the Beatitudes. So Jesus just said the Beatitudes. Just talked about being salt of the earth and light of the world and letting our our light shine so our good deeds may glorify our Heavenly Father and others may see them. So maybe just take a second, just ask, you know, have I done any good deeds this week to live the Gospel? You know? And then, am I living in light of what Christ did for me on the cross? Am I living with that reality? And then... Coming into this Gospel, you know, be ready for this week's Gospel. So as always, before we read, you know, call upon the Holy Spirit. If you need press pause, do that, say a prayer. And then always, you know, if you can, get your Bible out. Get out the Word. Physically touch the Word. Read the Word. And if you can, you know, pull up a chair. Have a friend to read and listen with you. So our Gospel, again, is Matthew 5, verses 17-37. through 37. Where we hear, Jesus said to his disciples, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, nor the smallest letter nor the smallest part of a letter will pass away from the law until all things have taken place. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys and teaches these commandments will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, Whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, and whoever says to his brother Rakah will be answerable to the Sanhedrin, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Therefore if you bring your gift to the altar, and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift at the altar. Go first and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court, otherwise your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Amen, I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body thrown into Gehenna. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body go into Gehenna. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to your ancestors, do not take a false oath. And make good to the Lord all that you vow. See, But make good to the Lord all that you vow. But I say to you, do not swear at all, not by heaven, for it is God's throne, not by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make a single hair white or black. Let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more is from the evil one. Well, all right. We're going to try to tackle that with you today. And um, you know, the Lord is very keen and straightforward with his gospel. And some people love this style of Jesus' you know, ministry. And some people don't. They want the, you know, the Barney Jesus. And um, well, Jesus ain't Barney. So we're going to look at what he says here in light of, you know, again, the Beatitudes were just said, choosing happiness. And then, you know, knowing that we're called the salt of the earth and light of the world. So Jesus begins by saying, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. So this is a shorthand expression for the entire Old Testament. So Jesus completely fulfilled the Mosaic law and Old, Old Testament prophecies. So the word to fulfill means to make complete. But the New Covenant thus includes and concludes the old, old Covenant. So another word for New Testament Old Testament is New Covenant and Old Covenant. So Jesus both perfects and transforms it. So while the sacrificial laws of the Old Testament have now expired with the sacrifice of Jesus, the moral law, or you know, like the Ten Commandments, was retained and refined. So in the Christian life, the power of God's Spirit is necessary if we are to obey the law and grow, grow in holiness. You can see that in Romans 8.4. But also open your catechism and go to, go to chapters 5.77-81. So we need the Spirit. We need the Spirit to understand this. And Jesus even further goes and says, For truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not a letter, or also known as an iota, or even he says, some translations say, a dot. So what the heck is Jesus talking about here? Well, this corresponds to the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet in tiny extensions that distinguish similar-looking Hebrew letters from one another. So Jesus is saying, I am going to make things clear, and I am going to let you know where I stand. But he says, whoever then relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven, so even just think uh, with where your state is in life right now, just on a personal level, as a parent, as a friend, as a spouse, am I doing anything that is teaching others the commandments or to sin? Am I doing anything that is contrary to the gospel? You know, am I, am I being that light of the world? Am I being the salt of the earth? Or am I becoming a, co- a coward Jesus says, you know, just very simply, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So your righteousness, like what does that mean? You know, verse 20. Well, Jesus inaugurates a new and climactic phase in salvation history. He introduces a new covenant standard of righteousness that surpasses the real but insufficient righteousness of the old covenant. You know, the old covenant you know, in Deuteronomy 6.24 and Isaiah 48.18, the old covenant is governed by temporal affairs of the earthly kingdom of Israel. So the Mosaic Law, especially in the, the book of Deuteronomy, was designed to establish and maintain Israel as a nation state in the land of Canaan. And its laws regulated public behavior to maintain civil order. It thus erected an outward standard of righteousness that defined God's people as a nation. But here, Jesus invites the scribes and Pharisees to recognize the Mosaic Law as God's temporary arrangement for Israel. So it was a means of drawing them closer to God by separating them from the sins of the Gentiles. But eventually, the Israelites expected a day when God would write his law on their hearts. You can see that in Jeremiah 31, in Deuteronomy 30, and Ezekiel 36. So Christ's new, new covenant signals... The dawning of this day, when he perfects the moral laws of the old covenant and brings that covenant, tempor- co- covenant's temporary and national phase to a close, he implements a new level of covenant righteousness that stretches beyond the boundaries of the old law into two directions. So, we live, you and I live, outwardly and inwardly. So, the outward, outwardly, the scope of the new covenant is wider than the one nation of Israel. It encompasses, encompasses an international kingdom in the church. All nations can now share in God's blessing and become His covenant people, which is good news because most of us are Gentiles. You know, when Jesus goes into Samaria like with the woman at the well, He crosses a boundary. You know, Pharisees and Sadducees, Jews could not go there because they considered them unclean. But Jesus transforms all of that in His new covenant. But inwardly, the the new covenant penetrates to the heart, and the heart is, you know, that place of encounter with God, as, as the Catechism says. And the new covenant reaches within a govern govern personal, excuse me, reaches within to govern personal and private life by a maximal standard of holiness. While the old covenant formed virtuous citizens of Israel, the new covenant generates saints in the Church. If you're ever wondering what the heck is God's will for my life, well, we look to 1 Thessalonians 4.13, where St. Paul says, This is the will of God. Your sanctification, another word for sanctification, is sainthood. This is God's plan that we all become saints, we all become holy. And you know, and Jesus goes back to the Old Testament and say, what, what am I coming to change? And you know, you have heard it said, You shall not kill. You know, going back to the the, the Ten Commandments. But Jesus reaffirms that murder is unlawful, but introduces a new dimension to the civil law. So not only acts of murder, but even personal anger. Did you hear that? Even anger are those who are liable to judgment. Not only acts of murder, but even personal anger and private slander, you know, gossip constitute a violation of the new law that Jesus is establishing. So degrees of personal guilt are illustrated and we'll talk about that in a second, but an escalating movement from the local court verdict or judgment to the Jewish Sanhedrin, which is a council, to eternal punishment, which is hell. Yeah, Jesus is warning about hell and people don't like to talk about it, but hell is going to be the worst, is the worst thing you can ever imagine. Complete separation from God, Complete separation from love, of hope. And Jesus is warning that he comes to intensify the law. He's he's fulfilling it. And he says, you know, But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother shall be liable to judgment. And whoever insults his brother shall be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, points fingers at others, shall be liable to the, the fire of hell or Gehenna. So maybe just ask yourself before we go to the next section in verse 23, is there anybody I'm angry with right now that I do not have peace with in my life? Is there anybody that I I look at and I insult them behind their back, I slander them? Because if you do that, Jesus calls you a fool. He calls me a fool. And what does he mean by fool? Because remember, a lot of the Old Testament, and New, was tra- Old Testament and New, tra- New Testament was translated—you know—from the Hebrew to the Greek to the Latin and down to English. And sometimes fool doesn't mean any sense. So the Greek transliterates an Aramaic term that implies a lack of intelligence, a lack of seeing the whole picture. So it is an insult that means something like "you empty head" or "you numbskull. And the the fire of hell, or Gehenna, this Greek expression denotes the valley of Gehenna, south of Jerusalem. And this particular place served as a large dump where garbage was burned continuously. And Jesus uses this image to illustrate the frightful reality of damnation. And hell is a choice. You know, Jesus isn't making you angry. Jesus isn't making you slander your neighbor. But remember, Christ is in them. And when you say something about another person, you're also saying it about Christ. This past weekend, you know, I preached and I just said, are you living at the foot of the cross always? Would you talk about those people like that if you were at the foot of the cross next to Mary who's watching her son be crucified, watching John the beloved disciple, seeing his best friend, you know, the Lamb of God, be slain? Where Mary Magdalene was delivered from seven spirits and she's at the foot of the cross weeping and we are there, you know, being angry, judging others, insulting others. It's not our job. So what does Jesus say after that? He says, so talking about the mass here, now we have an altar at mass. I want you just to kind of clue in here. Jesus says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, you remember, aha, my brother has something against me or I have something against my brother. I'm actually called to leave my gift there before I go to the altar which means I got to reconcile. I have to reconcile by going to reconciliation, going to confession, but also a part of repentance and a part of my penance is repairing those relationships is going to those people and asking for forgiveness or saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong. He says, once you've done that, these are Jesus' words, not my my words, by the way. He says, once you've done that, then come and offer your gift. So the gifts are the bread and wine. It's a physical sign of something that was sacrificed. You know, wheat and grain was sacrificed as a sign of our sacrifice. You know, wine is made out of grapes that were sacrificed put through the wine press as a sign of our our toil throughout throughout the week to thank God for His blessings. And then we ask, For those gifts to be transformed into his body and blood. Jesus' body and blood. And those gifts represent us. And if you just kind of hear what I'm saying here, is you are a gift. But when we don't live in the light of Christ and knowing what he did for us on the cross, and we don't reconcile those relationships and live the gospel, we forget that we're gifts. We forget that we're good. So maybe go to confession and make those hard phone calls or write those hard letters or have coffee and sit down and apologize and undo your wrongs instead of slandering and gossiping and being angry. And Jesus says, make friends quickly with your accuser. Hard to do, but we have to do that. And I'm not perfect at it either. I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm just saying in general, we, this is tough. This is the gospel. This is where the rubber meets the road, you know? Jesus goes on even further. He says, I say to you, you will never get out till you pay, have paid the last penny. Yeah, the last penny, like Jesus is in the details, you know? God is in the details. Maybe you heard the saying, the devil in the details, but so is Jesus. Jesus even goes further. This is where <sighs> this is where I, I wish the gospel just kind of chilled out, but it doesn't. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. So like the Mosaic Law, Jesus forbids acts of adultery, cheating on your spouse. Yet he extends the prohibition to forbid even personal lust and interior thoughts of impurity. Looking and think, thinking lustfully already violate the new law even if the exterior act of adultery is not committed. Sometimes we're like, Jesus, can you chill out a little bit? I can, I can barely see things clearly. And this is where I just like to make a, a, a simple proposal to you all, is if you can go to strive21.com. There's a website, an anonymous website, if you struggle with lust and pornography and being impure with yourself. I just want to encourage you, heart to heart, as a spiritual father, to seek help and you know, we live in a pornographic hypersexualized world and i think jesus knows that and jesus says i say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart because we objectify the other person and we're not looking at the interior we're looking at the exterior so even making sure that you and i are dressing modestly when people say oh it doesn't matter what you wear at mass well are you allowing yourself to be looked at lustfully? Are you remembering, as St. Paul says, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And we're called the veil, what is beautiful. You know, it, used be, it used to be a tradition in the church to wear veils at Mass. And it would tell a man whether the woman was married or widowed or single. But also you veil things that are beautiful. And when we think we have things like pornography or just a lustful culture, everything's unveiled. There's no more mystery involved. And we're called to live out of that mystery. So if you have committed adultery in your heart, just encourage you to repent. I really encourage you, um, if you're a woman, to form a devotion to Saint Joseph. Put up images of Joseph, learn how to see men purely. And if you're a man, find some beautiful images of Mary, so you can learn how to see women purely knowing that they are made in God's image and likeness, they are daughters, they are sisters in Christ. We're called to not look at the physical appearance only. And Jesus says, you know, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. So it's a figurative overstatement, okay? So we are not fundamentalists. The fundamentalists are people who read the scriptures, everything literal. Yes, you start with the literal sense of reading scripture, but if you and I left Mass this Sunday with no more eyeballs in our head, Jesus, yeah, like really look at what Jesus is saying. Cause some people say take things, everything literal. Some Christians do, Catholics. We don't, we don't do that. Um, and there's times to you know when Jesus is speaking literally and when he's speaking figuratively. But he says, you know, pluck it out and throw it away. Your eye, that is. It is better for you to lose one of your members than that of your whole body to be thrown into hell or Gehenna. He says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. You know, I'm pretty sure Jesus is talking about being impure with yourself. You live in a culture that says, "Ah, go ahead, do it, no problem, you're not hurting anyone. Yeah, I wish that were true. I don't have time to go into details of that, but I wish that were true. So Jesus says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Then he goes even deeper. You know, he's he's not mincing words. You know, Jesus says, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. So divorce and remarriages were permitted under Old Covenant only because of Israel's sinfulness. But in the New Covenant, remarriage leads to adultery, except except on the ground of unchastity. So Matthew alone records his added exception clause, and you can see uh, chapter 9, 19, verse 9. For the meaning of this clause, Jesus is... is, is really, really deep, and I don't have time to go into it, but check it out. Um, and Jesus even goes even further. I mean, <laughs> he's not mincing any words. He says, And you also heard it said of men, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. So Jesus forbids the oath of swearing for private purposes. Oaths are important. However, in the public sector, uh, for the good of society, so judges, doctors, soldiers, politicians, um, you know, other professionals swear oaths for public service. oaths are sworn to make or renew covenants so in every context god 's holy name is invoked to bring divine assistance known as blessing to the upright and divine punishment which would be the curse to those who violate their oaths in Jesus' day, the practice of oath swearing was sometimes mishandled. people would swear private oaths for personal advantage. You know, these, are, these are very serious things in our world today too. There's a website I would encourage you to check out. It's called CatholicWarriors.com and they have different spiritual warfare prayers to say on there. Um, you know, if you ever mess around with like Ouija board, if you ever mess around with um, like tarot card reading, yoga, palm reading, different occult divination type stuff, you have to renounce those, those oaths because they bind us. They bind us. When you're bound, you're kind of like in a straitjacket and you get stuck and you can't leave. Yet Jesus wants you to be free. He says, Do not swear at all, either by, he- by heaven, for it is by the throne of God, for by earth, for it is His footstool. He says, Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make One hair white or black. I think it's just a a simple gospel truth: is that God's in control, and we think He's not. You know, we try to be God. And just very simply, Jesus says, "Let what you say simply. Let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no." Look at your commitments that you're making in your parish. Or have you made any? What do you have coming up? You know, up here in Anago, we have our Alpha starting this Sunday at St. Wenceslas at 9 a.m. If you're from Anago and you listen to this, I highly encourage you to go. We have our Koinonia retreat starting the following weekend. Sign up for that. You have our men's and women's Bible studies going on here. But stay committed. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Nothing worse, nothing worse than being stood up. Maybe you can think back in your own life, you went on a date and you were stood up. And when we we make commitments, we don't follow through with them. We're doing that to the Bride of Christ, the Church. It's a little bit longer today, the Gospel wasn't short, but uh, I'm gonna introduce you to a new friend of mine, um, actually not a new friend of mine, but a new musician for this podcast. Uh, It's Mike Mangione, and he and I met at Catholic Fest, probably like in 2012, I think. but he has a gift, and I, when he sings, I, I sense a lot of soul. I'm going to start off with one of his lighter songs. I'll play more in the future. I'll continue to play songs by Joe Zambone and Luke Spihar. Um But his music really speaks well, and this, this is a song from his, his, uh, called The Offering, and it's from his album Offering. You know, and Jesus says, Before you make your offering at the altar, be reconciled with your brother. But, and he says, If you're not then you're not supposed to receive the Eucharist. But if we know the gift that awaits us in the Eucharist, we know the peace that Christ desires us to live in, and the courage he desires us to have in all of our interactions, we would never want to receive the Eucharist unworthily. Because then we, we put more guilt on ourselves, more condemnation on ourselves, more damnation upon ourselves. So know of my prayers for you. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'll never doubt the rain again I'll never doubt the cold I'll never doubt the possibility Really growing old I've never felt distance Like the distance through a phone So tonight I'm close enough, baby Tonight I'll be coming home Never take for granted the power of a hand. Hey. So tonight I'm close enough, baby. Yeah, tonight you'll see your own man. And goodbye. Down the offering my father laid for me. It is nothing short of sacrifice gives a man his family. Never doubt you love me in the words that you sing. Yeah. Cause it don't mean all I've been big It means everything